we've got ourselves a guest on the line. Joining yes, us you right do. Now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Joining us right now on the phone, he is a recently WWE release superstar. The master... Oh, wait. Wait. Let me get Formally. this right. Formally. You can, you can say that. The wrestler formerly known as the masterpiece Chris Masters. Chris Mordetsky. How you doing, bro? Uh, I'm doing all right. Considering everything that's happened, I'm doing all right. <laughs> well, that's good to know, man. It's good to know you've been keeping yourself busy, I, I take it. I, I hear you've been making the rounds the interview-wise. Oh, yeah. I like, uh, you know, I'm not one to sit as well. And uh, from, like, the minute I heard the news of the release, you know, I just got off, up, off my butt. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never done the uh, independent scene. I've never done, you know, I was with uh, WWE pretty much my whole wrestling career. Right. So, you know. Just trying to figure out, like, you know, what what's the first step in taking after you depart from the biggest sports entertainment company out there, you know what I mean? But I believe there's life after uh, WWE, and, you know, like I said, I'm open-minded. At 24 years old, uh, who knows, you know what I mean? That door, might, that door might open again. You are young, dude. <laughs> I'm like 25. So. Well, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly, that's what I'm saying. So it's like uh, this is a chance for me to just explore my options. Wrestling is definitely wrestling is definitely my number one love, but I mean, I'm in the middle of uh, you know the entertainment capital Hollywood, so you know who knows what could come my way. Absolutely. Hey, let's rewind two steps back here real quick. Okay. Um, about two weeks ago, I think it was like on a Saturday or a Sunday, the news broke out on WWE.com that you and uh, D. H. Smith were, were both suspended, and then about five or six days later on WWE.com, it was said that you were released. Now. Yes. Kind of walk us through, uh, you know, whatever you want to talk about in terms of that as far as how that came about. Okay. Well, let me see here. Um, let me start the whole chain of events because it didn't exactly start. Well, I mean, it did start there, but it didn't. Um, I, I, I worked my last match in Nottingham, England, against Undertaker and Kane, uh, teaming up with Fit. I got hurt. Right. Uh, dislocated my elbow going over the top rope. Uh you know, contrary to what everybody was thinking about Undertaker trying to go out there and hurt me, uh, that was just ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, I went over the top rope, dislocated my elbow, uh, and I was pretty much, uh, you know, I sent back home, uh, you know, about four hours later. You know, I got fixed up, and uh, it was about, I sat around, and, you know, I, I figured I was, I'd be sitting pretty, you know, two months. Uh, I'm hurt, it sucks, but all the matches over in Europe, they went great, you know, my passion was back, I was feeling real good, and I was like, well, when I come back, maybe they'll maybe they'll have something better for me. Right. And, uh, you know, then I get a call, um, see, when I came off my first 30-day suspension, they, for, you know, all the superstars who did get suspended, when uh, everything hit the fan, I don't know if you can curse on this show or not, but... Oh, yeah, dude, it's uncensored, but... Shit, whatever you want to say. Well, let's put it this way. When shit hit the fan, which we all knew it would after, uh, you know, first Eddie and then especially with this Chris thing, you know, it making us all look bad. Right. Uh, uh, you know, they suspended, you know, the 12 of us. I took the 30 days off and uh, tried to make a change for the better. You know, I knew there was going to be a lot of changes in my life. You know, 30 days off the road gives you an opportunity to really uh, clean up whatever bad habits or whatever you need to change in your life, and I did everything I could to do that. By the end of that uh, four weeks, I think all, it wasn't just me, but it was pretty much everybody who was coming back took uh, quite a few drug tests through Aegis. I took three within a matter of a week and a half, oh, wow. and one of them 
failed positive for a substance, right. which caused the suspension. And to be quite honest, I mean, I'm not trying to play anybody out there for a fool or anything like that. It honestly came as a surprise to me. It, so I called the WWE doctor, Dr. Rios, who actually is no longer with the company now as of a few days ago. I called John Laurinaitis, uh, you know, just so I could tell him and, you know, tell him my story. And then, of course, I talked to Aegis, which is our drug testing, you know, Dr. Black, personally. Right. And, I, you know, I asked him, I'm like, you know, hey, send somebody here right now. You know, test me three times a week. Do what you need to do. But, you know, I'm taking the right path. I'm compliant with your program. And uh, it's not to point fingers to say that I'm right or they're wrong or, you know, something could have happened or whatnot. But let's think about the logic here, you know. Based off of what happened off of uh, the 12 or whatever guys getting suspended, do you think any one of us was, would actually really, in our right mind, be stupid enough to come back and start using substances again and risk a 60-day suspension? Or, in this case, obviously it went a lot farther. Um, you know, 60 days, you don't get paid. Right. But, you know, in this, in this case, obviously, even it went farther. I got a call from... Uh, he just on a on a Friday. I can't remember the exact date. Um, a little bad. It was the Friday before last, and they they told me the news, and that's when I contacted everybody. Then that Monday, I got a call from John Laurinaitis, and he told me 60 days, train hard, come back to work. So, cool. Uh, the CNN special special that everybody watched on Tuesday, or that the following day, which was Tuesday, with Vince McMahon aired, and. Uh, you know, it wasn't looking too good. They're putting a lot of heat on Vince, and, you know, Vince is taking a lot of unnecessary heat. You know, everybody does need to take accountability for their actions, although, you know, we we do have a tough job. It's very stressful. I mean, it's very strenuous on the body. We're tra constantly traveling, constantly getting beat up. Uh, so basically that happened, and then, you know, I had a funny feeling. Right. I had a funny feeling, and I prepared myself for it, actually. And the next day I got the call from Johnny, and uh, that was all she wrote, you know, but I didn't crawl up into a ball or anything like that. I was like, well, you know, let's just explore my options because, you know, what are my options? What, what, are, you know, what are my options? Either I'm going to, you know, sit on my ass and dwell about it or I can go out there and pursue whatever the heck I want to at this point. I'm, I'm very content with the, uh, the stint I had with WWE with the exception of, like, you know, the last half, because I felt like I was being misused, obviously, and, you know, I was a little unhappy with where I was at. I felt like my potential was higher, but, you know, I, I'd done some things, not, I've, I did some things to, you know, cause a lot of that. Right. Well, Chris, do you think, in your opinion, do you think Vince should take any responsibility for anything that's been going on? Do I think Vince should take responsibility for what's going on? In, in any slight way at all, I mean. Well, this is the thing. Um, I don't think you can put Vince completely on the hot seat because we all choose. Ooh, that's my cell phone. <laughs> I apologize to everybody out there. Let me, uh, of all people, Randy Orton. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> Maybe we can get him on. We'll have a three-way. <laughs> That'd be uh, interesting. Hold on. Should I get that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you want um, to, go for it. Randy Orton. <laughs> Wow. Dude, I'm doing uh, an interview for the shoot right now, and uh, my phone just, my, uh, you just called me on this phone, and I got them on the other phone. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Randy says hello and goddamn. Tell him he said hello too. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time where uh, me and uh, or Randy and I are talking since uh, my release. Hey, oh, Randy, let me give you let me give you a call back when I'm done with this interview. All right. All right, brother, you got it. Oh, all right. <laughs> Anything can happen on the shoot, guys. <laughs> is that a first? That that is definitely a first. <laughs> yeah, and it was the real deal. No, no BS there. That was pretty funny. So I'll have to give him a call. But um, you know, I don't think you can put the complete blame on anybody. You know, we make, we all make our decisions. And you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that I regret. You know, that I can look back on. And I made I made some mistakes. I made some mistakes. A lot of us have made mistakes. But at the same time, you have to live in our shoes to see the type of lifestyle it is because it, it's not as glamorous as it looks so glamorous it looks so nice on tv and it's great it is great i i love it and i'm sure you know like all of us do you know all the, everybody listening right now yeah. i'm sure absolutely loves it loves it you either you either love it or you hate it you know yeah and just you know so i think you can't really put vince completely on the hot seat although uh my my beef with the whole situation is I got suspended on a Monday, right? and then I get released on Wednesday. Therefore, the 90-day clause, and I'm injured on top of it. So basically what happened is I get released, and on top of it, I'm not getting paid for it. I'm not getting paid what we're, you know, what we're supposed to be being paid, you know. So I, that, you know, Vince, Vince McMahon stresses that he wants to take care of his wrestlers and everything, and I believe he does. He does want to run a clean operation because the WWE is his baby. But that's the only thing about the whole situation that bothers me. Just because I am injured, I dislocated my elbow. I'm sitting around, and it would at least be nice to have uh, have some kind of compensation for the fact that we go out there. And we do. We put our bodies on the line, and it's not just for. I don't think for any one of us it's just about money. It's for that reaction out of the crowd. I mean, we we do it for all you people, all you people who love wrestling. I mean, you like anybody who gets into this business and wasn't a wrestling fan typically isn't going to last because you have to, you have to love it. The money's not enough. Right now, real quick, a sidebar question. You know, you and I we're kind of in the same age, and Justin too. Tell mm-hmm. tell tell everyone what it's like. I mean, being in, in your early twenties and in fucking wrestling WrestleMania. I mean, come on, dude. Tell us what that's like. Well, I'm, that's what that's what I mean when I say I, I feel like I had a very fulfilling career within that three or you know a little over three years. Uh, you look at the things I was able to do within that that time frame. You know, especially when they were really pumping me because at one point they were pumping me to be like the man up there when you know when I was working with like Shawn Michaels and I was working with you know Shawn Michaels on house shows Triple H Nature Boy I mean dream come true I mean how like I was I would be in the ring sometimes teaming with Hunter against Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair and you got like three generations of wrestlers in there and I'm like wow how do I fit into this equation this is pretty amazing and you know I think anybody could understand exactly you know, or understand where I'm coming from on that. I mean, it's amazing. And then yeah, on top of it, yeah, WrestleMania, I mean, opening WrestleMania, I mean, who would have ever thought? And then, uh, I mean, there's a lot There's a lot of career highlights if I want to go into it. I, I wrestled uh, one of my favorite matches. Was with, it wasn't even televised. It was with Carlito in Puerto Rico, his hometown, and it was uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico. And the place went absolutely nuts for him, and we, like, really tore the house down, and that's a match that will always stick with me. We were on the... Uh, 
the uh, front page of the newspaper the next day. And it was awesome, just awesome. And uh, WrestleMania, I mean, uh, obviously very nervous, goosebumps, so many different emotions because that's where everybody wants to go. You know, you want to wrestle at WrestleMania. Ultimately, everybody would strive to be the top guy. But, um, I mean, just being able to work on a WrestleMania, obviously, is an honor because, you know, I feel like I even even if it was, even if I stopped and I hung up the boots today and I burnt the trunks and I said I'm done with this, uh, in my mind, I fulfilled my dream. Yeah. At 24. Yeah, that's, that's pretty insane. <laughs> yeah, like, I, you know, honestly, I did. I mean... I'm not, I'm not, that's not saying I'm giving, I'm not, I'm giving up or anything by that means. You know, I would definitely, definitely be more than open to working for the WWE again at some point. And I'm, you know, I'm not giving up on wrestling now. I'm taking indie bookings. I'm, uh, you know, just trying to get my name out there at this point and also explore some outside projects out here since I'm in Hollywood. You got to take, I got to take advantage of that. This is, you know, Hollywood, California. And, you know, if you go out there and you search, you never know what could come your way. Yeah. Or sometimes it comes to you. I've had a couple things come my way, and I'm I'm actually pretty excited. I've been upbeat. A lot of people would probably think otherwise, but I'm pretty upbeat. And I saw this coming a while ago. I mean, when you know, once like you know, a year ago, once they weren't using me, once they stopped using me well, and I felt like I was getting the shaft, and I felt it just you know, it just it, it wasn't a good time. And I was dealing also with a lot of personal issues. Obviously, I dealt with a lot of personal issues, but. Right. Those highlights, you know, I'll take with me forever. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, you know, you were talking about, you know, getting the shaft and such. Tell us a little bit, I mean, because you, you were on both brands. I mean, you were on Raw and SmackDown. Politically sp- speaking, you know, what's, what's the difference as, as, tar, as far as the, you know, the political agendas as far as backstage between Raw and, and SmackDown and, you know, in terms of getting used and things like okay. that? Okay, okay, well, I'll tell you this much. Okay. Raw, Raw is a great place because you look at the cast on Raw and, it, it, like, especially when I was there at the time, and it was, you know, it felt like the place to be, and it still is. You know, Raw has been around forever, and it's, I mean, Raw is Raw. It's live. You know, that live element really, I mean, it just really adds to the show you know, compared to the tape show. But I, I really didn't learn. Um, once I went to SmackDown, I really learned what camaraderie and what a, what a team is about. Because you go there and you automatically, you feel like you're on the underdog show, even if you're not, or some people would disagree. You know, you feel like you're the underdog show, and it really felt like a team atmosphere. It felt, it felt like a family. It felt like we were all striving to be good and contribute to the brand to make it, like you know, to be up there with Raw. Not to say it's not. Not to say it's not, but. I mean, everybody under, out there understands what I'm saying. Raw's been around since 1993. It's the live show, and if you're if you're looking for that unpredictability, that's the place to go. You know, that's the show to watch. So, I feel like everybody really contributed, uh, including myself. I mean, like I never felt, I, I just for whatever reason, I don't know. You know, obviously I was very green. You know, I didn't. I was there up there about a little over three years or so or whatever. Yeah. But it took a while to understand that, and uh, once I went to SmackDown, I started understanding like what you know this really is like a team effort. We got like you know, we got to band together, and we got to make this the best best show, the best brand possible. So we like you know for that fulfillment. 
Now, Chris, you said that you're basically just doing whatever you can to get your name out there, whether it be in wrestling or in Hollywood. Now, do you keep up with the TNA product? Um, I, I was watching it when I TiVo. I don't have TiVo right now. <laughs> right now, I just actually moved a month ago, so I've been uh, hooked that up. I went through a breakup. I've gone through all kinds of stuff within the last few months, but uh, I don't have a TiVo yet, but... You know, I of course I go on the internet and I check and see what's going on and I try to talk to some of the guys that I know up there and and uh, it's I mean if you're asking if it's an interest of mine, uh, most definitely. But I'm, we'll see what happens. And the 90 day clause is there. I can't really do anything with them for the time being, but I can do indie bookings and you know I'd like to do that because I haven't had that experience and it would just you know I don't want to sit around on my butt. You know I'd rather wrestle. I mean, who, you know, I think that's what any any one of us would say. Yeah. Hey, real, real quick, guys, uh, 646-478-4596, if you want to talk with the wrestler formerly known as the masterpiece, Chris Masters, and we'll we'll take your calls as they come in. Now, I, I know everybody probably asks you this, you know, about going to TNA. I mean, if they, you know, assuming the 90-day, you know, is up, I mean, if they called you up and said, yo, Chris, man, we got something for you, come on down. You know, if the money was right, what'd you do it? Um, well, that's that's where the the other projects come in. I'm I really, 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 really want to keep an open mind because wrestling has been my life, and it, it's just it's been everything to me for so long that given this you know this situation right here and a couple other opportunities have presented themselves, I don't want to be close-minded to it. But um, if TNA did call me. Uh, you know, I would be very interested because yeah. that you know the fire is still there. Like the last, my last couple weeks in WWE were freaking amazing. I mean, I felt like my old self. I felt like the guy from a couple years ago. So if uh, if that's in the cards, uh, we'll see. We'll see. You know, we will have to wait till uh, around February, and we'll know from there. Absolutely. Let's take a, let's take a caller at area code five one six. Hello, you got a question for Chris. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, man? Um, I have two questions. Um, yesterday I was listening to an interview with uh, Aaron the Idol Stevens, yeah, who's also right. released from WWE. Yep. Um, he he took a call on uh, the show yesterday, and someone called him a sinner for exposing. Um, I think he said the illusion of violence to children all across the world. Have you ever thought about that or possibly felt any guilt about that? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, there was one time I went on YouTube, and, you know, this is kind of funny you asked that. Uh, this is a really good question. Um, I went on YouTube, and I typed up my name, obviously, marking out for myself. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I typed up Astrolock, and then I saw a bunch of, like, kids probably – anywhere between, I don't know, 13, you know, 13 to 15, and they were doing shoot, <laughs> no pun intended, being on the show, but they were doing shoot master art challenges. I mean, it was like, it was brutal to watch because, you know, I, I know just from putting it on, guys, that it can really choke you out. And it can, you know, like I've been in positions where I have, you know, uh, almost mm-hmm. virtually choked guys out in it. And I just saw, I you know, I was watching these and I saw these these kids ragdolling each other, ragdolling, and I, like, it was funny because I checked, I, I was showing somebody a week later, and they actually took it off YouTube, that's how violent it was, it was, it was really violent, and that was the first time I really realized 
what kind of influence we have on kids. I mean, like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's obvious we have an influence on, on kids because I grew up, you know, watching wrestlers and emulating them and, you know, freaking hitting my friends in the back with a backpack in middle school and all that kind of throwing them into the lockers. I mean, you emulate that stuff, you know what I mean? It's fun. It's fun to go out there when you're a kid and do that. So that was the first time I did feel like a, I felt like a bad influence. Uh-huh. Um, also, I'm, I'm actually not going to be able to listen to the rest of this interview. Are you doing any interviews like tomorrow or the next day? Um, my booking agent slash trainer slash everything else has booked me, um, I don't know, somewhere around, oh, good God, it's probably about 12 interviews. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, like, when I said I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to sit down on my butt, you know, I really was. So we got a, this is a, I think this is my third one. So you, you're doing some tomorrow? Um, let me check on that. Um, yes, tomorrow I do have one at 12 p.m. and 3 p.m., but I don't have the details on that as of right yet. I think they're on your MySpace, Chris. What, what's your uh, MySpace URL for all the listeners? What's my MySpace? Yeah, for all the listeners. So they can it, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, w- I would love to plug that. Yeah, it's Chris, Chris <laughs> Mordetsky, official. Uh, or it's MySpace.com, Chris Mordetsky, official. And if and nobody, if, you know, all you people out there don't know how to spell that, it's a funky name. It's uh, my last name is M O R D E T Z K Y, and uh, if I, if I can actually, I can throw out, or we can probably save this till the end. But I got a uh, a booking line. If for yeah, throw, throw it out. We'll throw it out twice. Throw it out now. Okay. Uh, for any bookings, independents, appearances, charities, anything like that, you can contact Vess at three one zero. Six six three six eight one one, and I believe we had a I believe I had a, another contact uh, number on here, but you know that should probably be good right there. All righty, uh, is that it from uh, area code five one six? Yes, thank you very much, Chris. Right. Okay, moving on. Let's go to uh, area code eight one. Six. You're live with Chris now. Hello, Gary and Chris. How are you? Uh, what's going on? I'm all right. All right. Got a question for you. This may be a little tough one, so if you can't answer it, I understand. Cool. This is um, for well, a week of recap. Uh, I know that um, I know what happened when you got suspended and uh, released. Now, my question is: Is there a major pressure for the small guys for that situation? Is there major pressure regarding what? The, regarding the substance. Stuff? Regarding like, as far as our uh, our wellness policy or just mm-hmm. WWE in general? Yes, wellness in general and wellness party. Have you? Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I I will tell you that much. Uh, working for WWE is an amazing job, and I just there's no feeling like going out in front of twenty thousand people when performing, and like there's there's nothing like it in the world. Nothing. I mean, I've seen you. I don't think there's anything to compare, but like the pressure of the job. Is it's very it's very tough and it gets to you. It's it's physically and mentally very very hard on very hard on us and that's why uh like I don't like it you know I feel like so much so, the the fingers pointed so much at the guys all the time but you know like you know the wrestlers or you know the entertainers or whatever but you know the fact is is uh, 
you know, we're not all steroid abusers. We're not junkies. It's just, it's you know, it's a tough lifestyle. And, you know, sometimes, obviously, it, you know, you, you turn to things you obviously shouldn't, and you make mistakes, case in point, on the phone. But, you, you know, you just learn from those mistakes and move forward and, and you know, stay, you know, like in my case, you know, I'm just staying optimistic. But the pressure, the pressure is, I mean, that was the one thing I, I used to always complain about was just how much pressure there was working for the company. That that was my, my only qualm. I mean, it was, it, it was tough, but it was worth it. Well, I, for one, would love to see in a TNA ring. I think you'd be great for him. Excuse me? I'd love to see in a TNA ring. I think you'd be great for him. Oh, well, you know, we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens in the future. You know, you never know. Chris, I'd, I'd like to add something to what you were just talking about. Um, what was it like, and I don't remember specifically what Raw this was, but you had Triple H and you had just came back and, you know, making a comment about... I know what you're going to talk about. Everybody's asked me about... I'm sure they have. Everybody's asked me about this one. I'm sure they have. I mean, how, how, how did that make you feel? I mean, I'm sure that's got to add on to this pressure that you're speaking of. I mean... Well, you know, I've, i got to be... Or was or was it more of a rib? Would you say? I mean, I like uh, I'll tell you a couple things. Okay. You know, at that point, with the way I was being used, I was really pretty much numb to the uh, to the whole thing. I mean, you know, and I I really didn't like that. I didn't like that I was numb because I loved what you know I loved what I was doing at one point, and the fact that I felt like I had more potential than I was being used and. You know, regardless of the fact that I messed up, I understood that, I, and I understood, okay, you know, it'll come back around to me at some point. But, um, you know, I was a little numb at that point. But at the same time, I guess, it, you know, it felt, I felt a little betrayal just because, you know, of all, of all the stuff I had to go through and just coming off the suspension and them, them uh, preaching so much about, you know, wellness and, you know, you know, being concerned about their wrestlers and then, doing something like that, I mean, just for me personally, it, it, it did, uh, you know, we're talking about pressure, I mean, it did put a little pressure on me, because the masterpiece, I mean, it's based off of, it's a it's a body gimmick. Yeah. It's a body gimmick, but I never wanted to solely be a body guy, I wanted to prove to the, everybody that I could wrestle, I could go out there for 20 minutes and have a good match with a guy like Rey Mysterio, or I could go out there with The Undertaker or Shawn Michaels, and I did do that, so yeah. I... I mean, you know, I don't, like you know, I was numb, I was numb at the point, but I mean, it was uh, you know, I, I, I felt I felt a bit betrayed at that point, but I don't hold it against uh, you know Hunter or Sean because those are two guys I look up to. I mean, I I mean I was watching those guys when I was just a fan, so you know, it's just like I said, I was numb at that point, and I was so caught up in my personal life that wrestling wasn't wasn't coming first and. You know, that's a huge problem. I mean, you can't really be, I feel like you can't really be successful in this business unless you put wrestling number one. And uh, like Cena, for instance, I mean, that guy's a workaholic. Yeah. Well, he's a workaholic, and uh, he puts the business first. And, you know, like, that's the type of, that's the type of guy you need on top, or that's the type of mindset you need to be on top. Yeah. And, like, you know, I, I just wasn't in a position in my life where I could honestly, you know, I, it just, you know, too too much stuff going on, and it, it wasn't it wasn't number one at that point, and that was unfortunate because, uh, you know, I felt like I felt like I could have done a lot more. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let, let, let's take another caller. Uh, area code 201. You're live with Chris Mordetsky. Hey, Chris. My name's Armand. I have two questions for you. Have you um, been, do you ever watch Japanese wrestling? And with some former WWE guys in in Japan, like Tomko and Albert, now known as the Giant Bernard, being success, successful there, do you think you'd be successful there? And also, have you heard of Ring of, about Ring of Honor? If they were to offer you a, a show, and do you think you'd be successful there too? Uh, Ring of Honor, I, you know, to be honest, I don't think that's my type of crowd. I mean, I think uh, I would probably be the Antichrist over there, to be honest. Well, I, I'm one of their fans, and I actually think you're actually pretty good. Well, I mean, I, you know, I don't know how how much I don't know, I don't know how they would take me, to be honest. And I haven't really, really even thought about ROH to, to be completely honest. And uh, as far as Japan, you know, I don't, I haven't. We were so busy with WWE, I wasn't really following Japan or anything like that, or I haven't followed it in the past. You know, I've always been a, a WWF or you know WCW. I mean, those were the shows I watched. So mm-hmm. you know, um, I've seen some stuff in Japan from, like you know, Chris Benoit and uh, some of the other guys who've gone down there and. I'm definitely open to possibly going down there. I've never that's I think that's one of the places I've never worked is Japan, so it would be something I would be very interested in just for the experience alone, you know? Yeah. Thank you thank you, Armand. Let's move on to uh area code nine one zero. You're live with Chris Mordeski. Uh this is uh Kenneth Collin. Um Chris, uh was gonna ask you uh your first match uh in the WWE, I believe it was uh Stevie Richards and um I know, um, did you get a lot of heat after that match? Uh, I think he, uh, he was injured in that match. Yeah, I broke, uh, I broke his collarbone, his nose, and also, um, he, he had to have some dental work done. It was, uh, it was heartbreaking that that happened the way it did. I, uh, I actually, a funny story behind this, uh, hopefully we have time for this, but I'll, I'll say it as quick as I can. We got time for you, bro. The night, the night before, I was traveling, I believe, with Snitsky and uh, Simon Dean at the time. You know, uh, still relatively new, you know, making my debut the next day. And uh, we stopped by a gas station, and I got, like, a uh, turkey wrap. So I ate the turkey wrap, and it wasn't about maybe 30, 30 minutes later, my stomach started feeling real weird. And then the next morning, I couldn't even take a bite out of breakfast, and... Uh, Basically, I got, uh, I mean, it was just the stomach, I believe it was a stomach virus or something, you know, but it really, really, really messed me up because the whole day I was throwing up, I was, you don't even want to know the details, let's put it that way, but (laughs) I was uh, sleeping two hours before my, my debut on Raw, so that'll go to show you, you know, how I was pretty messed up that day, and it really took a lot to you know, mustered up and, you know, make a debut and, uh, again, you know, a very high-pressure situation and and I think that was the sickest I've ever been in my life. And that, that's no excuse for what I did to Stevie, though. So, but I'm just telling that because it's an interesting story. But, um, yeah, with Stevie, the, that did generate some heat and it did, uh, you know, obviously some question marks were raised after that and I was on heat for about a month. But then after that, I think they pretty much they, they knew that I would be able to go out there and work, and you know I wouldn't be killing anybody, and 
uh, was back on Raw, and they, we started doing the Master Lock challenges. But, you know, I felt terrible, obviously, for what I did to Stevie. And you know, I think every time I see him, I, apolog- I apologize to him. Anything else, Kenneth? Uh, I guess, yeah, that's another one question. I was wondering um, how was it going over uh, the middle uh, east was it last year when you went over there? The oh, it's ama- uh, it was amazing. One of the most rewarding experiences I've had. Uh, uh, this year was a lot better than, like, going to Iraq was a lot better than Afghanistan just uh, simply because of the fact that Kurt Angle, uh, two years ago when we did that, Kurt Angle got hurt the day before. His back was really, really messed up, and, uh, you know, I saw that, and I, I figured, I was like, at that point, I was like the number two, pretty much the number two heel on Raw. And uh, even, that, even that night, it was a, a triple threat match. It was me, it was uh, Cena, Kurt Angle, and, and me in a triple threat match for the uh, world title. And, uh, yeah, he ended up getting hurt, and uh, as soon as I saw him get hurt, I kind of figured, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm probably the, you know, I'm the next candidate in line. I, you know, I was I was definitely expecting a phone call. I even prepared my uh, ex-fiance. I told her, I'm like, I'm, we, you know, we might, we, we might not be able to have that vacation this week or, you know, do all the stuff we want to do. But, you know, I didn't know for sure yet. And then the, uh, the next morning... Just uh, I'm sitting out to to eat with uh, Carlito and Davari. We're having breakfast, and just when I think I'm in the clear, I get the uh, the phone call, the infamous phone call that always comes up uh, unavailable. And uh, right there, I knew, right there, I knew. And uh, like, so basically, I packed for three days, and then uh, I found out on the day of that I had to go to the Middle East. So I mean, that was that was rough, very rough. But we and and plus, you know, I I was looking at it from a selfish perspective. Pers- Perspective. I'm sorry. Excuse me. <clears throat> perspective. I didn't. I didn't know. Like you know, if they even how, how many guys watched wrestling. I didn't know if they cared. Like I, I really didn't know what kind of impact we would have on the troops out there. But once we got there, it totally co- took them completely out of their element, and you could just you could just see that they were just they were so happy to have us there and and like just give them an escape and. Uh, Iraq, Iraq was great too. I mean, Iraq was obviously a lot easier because I knew way before time. Yeah. Let's go on. We got uh, let's see one more caller here on the uh, switchboard. Let's go ahead and go to caller in area code three one seven. You're live on the shoot with Chris. Hello, three one seven. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Oh, uh, you messed up, 317. Is it 317? Yeah, 317. <laughs> you messed up. Yeah, he's he's definitely getting hung up on. But uh, All right, let's move it on then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see what we got here. Um, who, who are some of your favorite wrestlers growing up? I loved, and, you know, every everybody on the Internet, when they hear this, they're going to be like, but uh, as a kid, I loved the Ultimate Warrior. And I don't, you know, like, why not? He was larger than life. The guy came out there with face paint. I mean, he was he was huge. He ran to the ring. He ran around the ring, and he, he just really like, you know, he, I looked up. Uh, it was like a hero to me. It was like a hero. I had no, you know, I had no dad, so I looked at a lot of these wrestlers, and it was just like, you know, I looked at these guys as heroes. So I like the Ultimate Warrior, but you know how. Uh, inconsistent he was, and he was 
on again, off again, and uh, it just, you know, it got to the point really where uh, after I got older, um, I really started appreciating the workers, you know, the guys who could go out there and deliver a pay-per-view match. Right. Like, for instance, Shawn Michaels. Five-star match. Uh, yeah, because the thing is, is uh, Ultimate was great as a kid and everything, and, you know, he had a great character, and, I, I you know, I, I still think he did really well. I mean, I mean, just with his, based off his look, I mean, he wasn't a Shawn Michaels or, or a Bret Hart or any one of those guys in the ring, but he had, an like, an awesome character, and he got you fired up. And he got and the kids, you know, kids, kids love kids love like stuff like that. You know, I mean, a kid, a kid is going to look at that, and you're going to absolutely love it. But you know, as I grew older, I started to respect the guys who would go out there and deliver a pay-per-view match. You have your raw matches where, you know, like it's just basically a typical match, and uh, some guys go out on pay-per-view and they deliver the same type of match. But then you got your then you got your guys. Even your handful of guys that'll, uh, you know, they'll work on Raw, but then when it comes down to pay-per-view time, they will give you a pay-per-view match, and they will, you, you know, you, like that thirty dollars or forty dollars or whatever it is does not go to, you know, it didn't go to waste because they delivered. Right. So I started to really appreciate. I started to appreciate all the workers who could go out there and deliver a pay-per-view match and really like just left nothing, you know, left nothing out there. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I felt like, you know, Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels was the guy, you know, after Ultimate Warrior had departed and, you know, I lost faith in him uh, and Shawn went singles, I really, you know, I just emulated him and I thought he was, you know, the one guy who could really go out there and uh, just deliver. Yeah. And that's why it was such an honor to be able to work with him. Hey, we got we got another caller in here. Area code uh, five seven zero. You're live with Chris. Yo. No. What up? Right. I think I was talking to Gary earlier on AIM. Yeah. What's up, man? You got a question for uh, for Chris? Yeah. Like I watch all those documentaries and stuff, and like how all the wrestlers are like like their stories about like when they first meet Vince and. And, like, is he, like, really intimidating? Like, what was your, like, first... Were you, like, scared to meet him and stuff? Uh, you're talking and pertaining to when you first entered WWE? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, every one of us uh, from OBW, when you when you go up there, you're, like, walking on eggshells because you don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to be... You don't want to look like you're too comfortable. I mean, you really, like, you really have to learn etiquette. And sometimes, you know, I learned... I learned the hard way a couple times. I mean, luckily I learned in OVW. So by the time I got to WWE, I didn't have uh, many problems at all. But, you, like, when you get up there, it is intimidating. And you do, uh, I mean, you're around you're around guys that you look up to. And, you know, you just you really don't want to piss anybody off when it comes down yeah. to it because, you know, you want to have a long career there. Yeah, I mean, he's a billionaire. I mean, there's yeah, a lot Yeah, and then, of course, you know, there, there's... Like, you know, even when I went over to SmackDown, it was like, uh, you know, that was my first experience with Undertaker, and it took me a while to get acquainted to him just because, you know, like I had never, you know, I'd sat down to eat with him one time uh, when I was first debuting, but then when I went to SmackDown, it was like, okay, you know, I know this is the guy who is basically running the show here on SmackDown, judge, jury, you know, and execution, and it comes down to it. So, uh, you know, we all feel that from uh, 
all the OVW guys or all the new guys to come in there. I mean, it's a bit edgy at first, but you get comfortable. I mean, once, once people get once people get to know you, and uh, and you have some time up there, and they understand your personality, you're good. That's awesome. Because uh, me personally, I rub people the, the wrong way a lot of time. A lot of times, but that's because they don't know me. Right. I rub people. You know, I've gotten heat because of that. Because just demeanor, looks, or the way I carry myself, whatever. But then the people who really get to know me, they, you know, they realize that, okay, well, you know, he's not necessarily like, for instance, the, the masterpiece character. Right. You know, like, yeah, like, yeah, like that's a part of me. But at the same time, like. You know, I'd like to think I don't take myself too serious. Yeah. Well, like, one more thing. Like, when you were, like, in the WWE, like, you came in, you are like, you're beefy. Like, you're all muscular and stuff like that. Like, I thought they were going to use you as, like, like, you were a really good heel. Like, I didn't really like you when I saw you on TV. I was just like, dude, he's such an ass and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that was your character. But, like, I thought they were going to, like, turn you into, like, a, like a Brock Lesnar type character. Or I thought they were just going to make you, like, kill people. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I had no. The thing is, when we were doing those master lock challenges, yeah, I uh, like as a wrestling fan, I was looking at it from a wrestling fan pers- perspective, and you know, I was just like, this isn't going to be entertaining to them. Like, who wants to see a like a full Nelson challenge? And yeah, like, I real I was really really skeptical about the whole thing at first. Like at first. I felt like, you know, I just didn't feel like I wasn't, like, comfortable necessarily with it. But you realize as time goes on, the more and more they see that on TV, it really, the hold really got over. Believe it or not, I mean, the hold got over. Every time I throw up that sign for the Master Lock, it gets a reaction out, and that's just because they put the machine behind it. I'm sure you've heard that, that term before. But whatever, WWE, excuse me, WWE, um, whatever they if if they decide to put the machine behind something, mm-hmm. and they put, they put the TV time and they invest the TV time in it, you know it's gonna get like you know fans are gonna catch on because basically like you know they almost force feed it to you. You know they for, they force feed a lot of guys. You, like let's just be honest, a lot of guys they see a lot of potential in and like rather than letting them letting the fans decide or you know get them over. They will for, they'll force feed them because they see potential or they think this you know this guy can do this or or this guy has you know you understand what I'm saying yeah 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 so and 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 I'm saying that just because I felt like uh, personally Brock Lesnar for instance you brought up Brock I, I thought Brock was a he was an amazing athlete for his oh, size yeah. I mean it was incredible but I never I mean I just felt like he was being force fed. I'm, I thought I thought watching him in the ring was great and everything, and I'm not like you know I'm not trying to say by any means that I, I'm better than him or anything like that, but I mean listening to his promos, you know, just I just felt I felt like this this was a guy that they were force feeding and they were telling telling the fans this is going to be a top guy whether you like it or not, yeah. and they've done that, and even in my case I felt like when I, when I first debuted. With the vignettes and the Master challenges, and then we even when I started working with Sean, you know, I had the potential, potential, but like I felt like I was being one of those guys who was being force-fed to the fans, and you know, I might be right, I might be wrong, but 
you know, like just I'm I'm looking at this from a fan perspective, and when I was watching back when uh, Brock was there and before I was in WWE. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like like when they get new people and stuff, they start them off in like dummy matches, you know, or you get like nobodies, or you get like like wrestlers that they keep around just like get beat down by new guys and stuff like that. Yeah. Like that, I like to really in like instill a person, you know, you'd probably like, man, put me up against someone they like big, you know. Wait, well, what, what are you, what are you implying? I'm sorry. Oh, um, like when like new wrestlers come in, like I think they can make a bigger name for himself, like going after like big dogs right away, not going after like hometown guys and and like like well, like a, like Funaki know, or something is, like that. You know what I mean? The thing is, is they don't want to rush. Like you know, they don't want to rush the talent. They want to build, you know, like they want to build. And, like, if I just went out there, like, my first week and put the full Nelson on somebody, I don't know if it would have uh, got over as well as actually doing the Matchbox Challenge, even though it wasn't, like, you know, it wasn't the greatest segment of the show every week. Uh, every week it was getting pumped into people's heads to the point where, and through also commentary, you know, commentary is a big part of it that, uh, this was an effective hold. It was, and it's like nobody can break it. And the more they pump that into the viewers, and the more you hear that, the more you see it. By the time I do reach the point where I'm wrestling, like in my case, it was Sean. It was Sean. I wasn't really doing anything, and then all of a sudden, I'm working with, you know, probably the greatest worker in the business. And uh, it was all based on the master lock. Like we built it around the master lock, Sean. Obviously, he's a lot smaller than me, so it's like, you know, it's an underdog story. How's Sean going to, you know, if the mask lock's prone, how's Sean going to get out? Like, it's, you know, it's just storytelling, and, you know, it's just, it's building. They like to build guys. Yeah. Hey, I, I got one more one more question for you, Chris. Uh, is there anyone in the WWE that either you either had, like, a throwaway match with or that you didn't work with that you wish you could have and felt, you know, man... If me and this guy went at it, man, we would have a money a money program. It would just be amazing, you know, as far as, you know, on television. Is there anybody that you wish you could have worked with that you didn't get to or someone that maybe you got to wrestle and you feel like, you know, there could have been more to it in terms of a program? Oh, oh good question. Is there anybody Is there anybody I wanted? You're asking me if there's anybody I wanted to work with. Well, I was very, I'm very, very grateful that I got to work The Undertaker before I left. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm sure everybody can understand why. The Undertaker is the Undertaker. He's been around forever. I mean, he is, uh, I mean, still to this day, he draws, he puts asses in seats. So um, in regards to people I haven't been able to work, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, all of us would love to work, you know, the legends, like, you know, the Hulkster or, you know, whoever else. But if you're talking about, like, current wrestlers right now or like you know the the younger group or the younger the younger group that's coming up right now within the last couple of years out of OVW um it's a tough question uh i would i'm trying to think between both brands you know actually uh uh Randy was a good buddy of mine and i was hoping that at some point we would be, we would have been able either to to wrestle each other or you know do something together and you know that was something that we pitched, you know, that we pitched a couple times. And but like you know, Randy's obviously gone on, and he's ha- he's having a tremendous success right now. So like, and that's great. Like, 
you know, I'm happy for him because he's, you know, he's a he's a good dude. He's like a brother to me. But um, you know, probably him or uh, trying to think of uh, if there's anybody else that comes to mind. You know, off the bat, I mean, you know, it sucks I never got to work. You know, guys like Kennedy. I mean, I guess I guess just the younger the younger group of guys that I didn't get to work that are getting that are getting over. Yeah. And like like MVP, you know, like Kennedy, you know, like like to be in that mix of guys. Because um, you know, I got to work Shawn Michaels, I got to work The Undertaker, and I, you know, I, I'm just trying to think of anybody else that comes to mind. I mean, it would have been great to obviously work a, a one-on-one match with Triple H. But, you know, I have been in tag matches with him, so that's the best I can really answer that question, uh, at least on the spot. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us tonight, and uh, hopefully we can get you on again in the near future, and I want to definitely wish you luck in your your future bookings and other non-wrestling projects. And real quick, one more time, go ahead and plug your your MySpace and how uh, any agents may be able to get a hold of you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get that out there. Okay, again, uh, okay, MySpace, uh, myspace.com. Go to Chris Mordetsky Official, and uh, the uh, last name is spelled M-O-R-D-E-T-Z-K-Y. And um, also, again, for we have a, uh, a booking line here, and it is 310 area code. Six six three six eight one one, and that's obviously in regards to independent bookings, uh, autograph signings, charities, all etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Right on. Well, well, thank you so much for joining us, Chris, and we'll be in touch with you soon. Ah, uh, thanks a lot for having me, guys. All right, man. Take it easy, bro. All righty now. Peace. See you soon.